Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Everybody's good today? Let me see your smiles. I got a question for you. Which one is fake? Can we, can we put that up there? Which one is the correct Starbucks logo? Is it the one to your left or the one to your right? How many of you eat, drink Starbucks regularly and you're wondering, like, I, I don't know. I can't tell you the difference. Show of hands. This side? This side? Some of y'all don't even know, don't even care. Here, which one's the right one? Let's see it. Let's see it. That's the right logo. Some of you didn't realize this. Anybody like pizza? How about Domino's Pizza? Which one is the right Domino's logo? Is that pointing? This way, show us which one's the right one. Isaac gets him some Domino's. How about Subway? Can you spot a fake logo? Ooh. Ooh. How many of you are thinking you wish you had the test, you know, beforehand? You, you were somebody with a study guide prior to this. Which one's the right one? Show us. Ooh. Any McDonald's fans here in the house? Golden Arches? Let's see. Which one is the right one? A lot of division among your family right now. All right, show us. Which one's the right one? Uh-huh. Oh, some of you missed it. All right, let's see what kind of Christians we have here in the room today. Which one is the right Chick-fil-A logo? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Isaac and Pastor Sean are in disagreement here today. All right, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's sell it down. Which one's the right one? Uh. Y'all go support God's chicken and pay attention to the logo next time you're there. Sometimes all it takes is just a subtle difference, right? Just a subtle difference that makes you think that you're getting the real thing, doesn't it? It's just a subtle difference. How many of you ever bought something fake and you didn't know it at the time? Anybody want to be honest? I bought something fake and I didn't know it till, till it came in. How many of you only buy fake stuff because you're not spending money on the real stuff? <laughs> Nobody can tell the difference anyway. There, that's the truth. There, there we go. The, the largest counterfeit bust of fake U.S. currency, get this, actually took place in Canada. A guy by the name of Frank Barassa was caught with $100 million in counterfeit U.S. currency when his girlfriend's apartment got raided. And the Royal Canadian Mounted Police said that the fake money was counterfeited so well that it was practically indistinguishable from the real thing. Now, later at his trial, the courts ruled that the search in that apartment was unconstitutional, and on that technicality, the fake money that they recovered was inadmissible in court. So this guy, Frank Barassa, got out on a technicality, $10,000 bail after only six weeks in jail for counterfeiting $100 million 
in currency. That's not the worst part. Get this. Later on, after facing other charges and several, other year, several years in prison, Barasa suddenly mentioned to his attorney, hey, do you think they would take $200 million in exchange for my sentence? They did. They did. He turned in $200 million in exchange for his freedom and time served. They took it, and Barasa never faced another day in prison. He bought his freedom with counterfeit money. I know. I'm saying you can't make this up. Today, the same guy operates a firm that specializes in recognizing counterfeits and exploiting weaknesses in corporate and governmental security. You cannot make this thing up. His tagline of his business says this, what if your security features were so secure they could not even be counterfeited by Frank Barassa himself? But probably the most interesting counterfeit story in U.S. history was from 1948. It involved only $7,000 and by all accounts was the worst counterfeit job ever. This guy, Emrick Juttner, was 73 years old. He was a junk collector. And he made thousands of the ugliest counterfeit $1 bills you'd see. They were so far from looking real. He didn't get away with the counterfeit because it was good. He got away with the counterfeit because he managed to deceive because of how subtle the counterfeit was. Let me explain. He never passed more than $15 per week. He never reused the same spots and carefully selected his marks. He never gave one person more than one fake dollar bill at a time. And with this strategy, he was able to elude the authorities for well over a decade. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. It's kind of crazy when you think about it that way. But there's a very real enemy of our souls that has been subtly manipulating many of us with fakes for much longer than that, hasn't he? Doesn't have to be a good fake. It just needs to be subtle and it needs to be small, just a little bit at a time, and the enemy can pull one over on us. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Steal, kill, and destroy. But it isn't all at once. It's subtle. It's deceptive. It's incremental and almost undetectable unless you know the real thing. Unless you know the real thing. You were able to tell the difference between the fake logos and the real logos because you had seen the real thing before, weren't you? Here's how I would say it this way. The more you know what the original is like, the less likely you are to fall for a counterfeit. The more you know what the original is like, what it's supposed to look like, what, what God intended, the less likely you are to fall for a counterfeit. Question for you today. What would you think if I told you that one of the greatest areas of deception that the enemy targets in your life is in your relationships? He's passing off counterfeits, substitutes, and unless you know what the original looks like, you're going to settle for the fakes. And I'm not just talking about being duped into the wrong relationships. That's just step one. I'm talking about the subtle counterfeit of getting you to eventually believe that you don't even need relationships at all. That's what he's after. Now listen, it, it, it's subtle. Here's, here's how it starts. Nobody just wakes up one day and says, I don't need anybody in my life. The enemy slips these things in subtly. It starts like this. Maybe you've thought this before. That, that relationship hurts you. Anybody been hurt by a relationship before? Let me tell you what the lie is. He says, it was intentional. They did it on purpose. They did it on purpose. And then he goes, you should protect yourself. You shouldn't trust them 
anymore. And then it slides a little further. If you weren't in a relationship, that wouldn't have happened. You shouldn't trust relationships. People will only hurt you. You don't need relationships. And then the one that gets you at the very end is this one. Jesus is all you need. Sounds real, but it's fake. It's a counterfeit. Pastor Jacob has a funny little rhyme he reminded me of this week when I was talking to him about what I was going to share with you guys. He says, to live above with those you love, wouldn't that be glory? But to live below with those you know, well, that's a different story. And I'm convinced that the enemy is satisfied with you believing Jesus is all you need if it allows you to also believe that you don't need anyone else. It's a dangerous, dangerous slope. One of our favorite preachers, Dr. Darius Daniels, wrote a book, Relational Intelligence. Here's a quote from that book. He says, based on my personal experience and pastoral observation, the church has been aggressive and intentional about knocking down the walls and transforming the ways that we see certain disciplines. We are taught how to pray, how to praise, to love, to serve, and give. However, we seem to have overlooked an area that is equally important, yet underemphasized, and that area is relationship management. Look at this. Consequently, we have raised up a people who can get along with God, but no one else. You need both. There's a vertical nature to relationships between you and God, and there's a horizontal relationship between you and others, and you got to have both of those if you want to have the real thing that God intends for you. The quality of your relationship vertically is very much dependent on the quality of your relationships horizontally and vice versa. Some of you don't have a very good relationship with God this way, and you're wondering why your relationships with other people aren't working out. Some of you don't have good relationships with other people around you, and you wonder why you struggle sometimes to connect with God vertically in moments when worship is happening, and, and he's trying to be the focus, but you can't stop but think about the other people around you that you're not right with. You need both. If you believe you can have one without having the other, you are mistaken. You're settling for a counterfeit. Can I show you a couple places where this is true? In relationships, if you think sex is amazing, you should try it in the safety, sanctity, protection, and blessing of a godly marriage. If you take God out of it, you open yourself up not only to an unwanted pregnancy, but you open yourself up to disease, insecurity, guilt, and regret. The enemy wants you to believe that you can have sex, a relationship this way, without honoring God this way. It's a lie. It's fake. It's counterfeit. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. I think I'm stepping on some toes here. Let me, let me back off a little bit. Maybe you can be lulled into believing that church is awesome, that it's incredible, that I can come into God's presence and spend some time. I even love being in church today. I do. Worship was fantastic today. It's fantastic. If you think being in church and having a relationship with God is amazing, you should try being in fellowship with other believers as well. It's incredible. To worship God by yourself and not be in a community of believers is a lie. It's fake. It's counterfeit. And I'm telling you, I can spot a counterfeit because I've seen the original. And I've watched people struggle as Christians, not because they don't love God, but because they don't love people. And their isolation leaves them vulnerable to the enemy. So now that I fully have your attention, let me give you a couple of examples of relational counterfeits today that we fall for. 
I'm going to tell you a story about Jesus, that Jesus said about soil, and then I'm going to dismiss us to go join a small group. Number one, different kinds of healing and relational conflicts, that counterfeits that we have, a counterfeit healing. You say, what are you, counterfeit healing? What are you talking about, Pastor Don? Two primary ways to heal a severe wound. You ready? You can cauterize it or you can stitch it. Carterize it or stitch it. To cauterize something means to quickly, it's quickly burning an open wound to prevent further bleeding. To stitch a wound is to bring two parts of a wound back into alignment to promote future restoration. Both of them result in a scar, but only one of them restores blood flow. Pastor Eugene said this before, my greatest joys come from relationships, but so have my greatest pains. And I want to ask you a question. What do you do when you experience a relational pain? What's been your habit? What's been your tendency? Do you cauterize the wound? You burn all bridges. I'm never going to have it again. I'm never going to see you again. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Do you seal yourself off from any sources of bleeding that take place in that relationship? I was visiting with somebody before service today, and I said, Pastor Don, I'm just having a hard time trusting. I said, hold that. I'm going to tell a story today in the message. Because about 10 years ago, I had a young man who was married, had kids. He was sitting in my office, and he said the same thing. I said, Pastor, I'm, I'm just having a hard time. I can't connect with anybody. I just don't trust anybody anymore. I know it's impacting my relationship. I know I'm not the kind of Christian that I'm supposed to be. I'm struggling because I can't trust anybody. And I said, well, talk to me. What happened? He said, the best I can gather, it was back when I was 16 years old. I went to church every single weekend. I was in our church's uh, student group. He said, and I was struggling with sin. I was struggling with pornography. And just as a young man, I was trying to find my way out of that sinful pattern. And I confided one day in my youth pastor, and I told him everything. I felt so free. I felt so clean. Finally, somebody that I could trust. The very next week, I show back up to student group, and none of the girls have anything to do with me. Nobody's going anywhere around me. Nobody's talking to me. I was around everybody and felt so isolated. And he said, I promised myself in that moment I would never trust and confide in somebody else again. He'd been hurt. He had been wounded. I told him, I said, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I want to help you, but I got to tell you this. There's, there's only one way to heal from a trust issue. And it's to Trust. And it's to trust. I know this. If you cut yourself off from all relationships forever and ever, you will never trust again. You won't heal. But if you'll let me, I want to give you an opportunity to trust again. You see, after all that time, he didn't need an apology. He needed a relationship. He needed blood flow across a wound that had been opened in his life, you don't get blood flow by cauterizing wounds. You only get flow to hurt areas of your life by stitching yourself next to somebody else that can help you get through that injury that you're facing. Y'all hearing me today? But the enemy wants you to think that the way you stop the bleeding is to burn all bridges and cut everything off. And I'm telling you, it's going to leave you scarred and it's going to leave you lonely. And those relationship areas in your life will only get better through relationships. You may think you've healed from that relational hurt, but if the way you healed was to burn it off and stop the bleeding, you've settled for a counterfeit healing, and it's impacting the quality of your relationships this way 
and you don't even realize it. Counterfeit healing. The enemy wants to get you out of relationships, get you thinking you don't need anybody else. Here's the second counterfeit that we fall for. A counterfeit independence. Counterfeit independence. What are you talking about, Pastor John? We come by it honest, and we come by it early. It's a little toddler in my house that says, no, no, Daddy, I can do it all by myself. No, no, let me help you. All by myself. I do it all by myself. And, and we let them when they're little, right? Because we think it shows a sign of maturity, and, and it's a demonstration that they, can, that they can do it, and we let them do it. Listen, it's cute when you're three, but it's counterfeit when you're 30. No, 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 Pastor, I got it. I'm going to do it all by myself. No, listen, you need to go talk to No, no, Pastor, I got it. I'm going to do it all by myself. You're missing it. You're missing it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. It's not if you fall. It is when you fall. The enemy wants you to think and wants you to believe that if you're independent of others, nobody can drag you down. But the reality is, if you're independent of others, no one can pick you up. Don't settle for it. Don't settle for it. I need to be interdependent. And that involves relationships. I need to have other people in my life saying, yes, you can. You can do it. If you find yourself telling other people, no, I can do it, then you don't have the kind of relationships I'm talking about. You need people in your life that says, you can do it, and they encourage you. That's interdependence, not independence. I don't want you settling for counterfeits in your relationship. Are y'all hearing me? Y'all hearing me? Number three, number three, counterfeit healing, counterfeit independence, counterfeit measurements, counterfeit measurements. When my grandfather died, my mom gave me the Rolex wristwatch that he wore for most of his life. And I had never seen a Rolex up close, much less ever held one. And I took it to a jeweler friend of mine to have it appraised. And as soon as I handed it to him, he knew it was a fake. I'm like, oh. How did he know? As soon as I handed it to him, he's like, yeah, that's not real. He knew by the weight. He knew by the weight. And then he showed me all the other measurements, the crystal and the size of the embossed parts and the, the, the measurements of the lines and the measurements of the band and, and, and those kind of things. Fakes have measurements too. They just have the wrong measurements. Fakes have measurements too. You can measure the wrong things. You just need to know how to measure them the right way. The enemy doesn't mind you measuring your relationships. He just wants you measuring the wrong things about them. I'll give you some examples. Social media wants you to measure the number of friends that you have. But look at this. It has no way to show you the quality of those friends that you have on your social media feed. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. It wants you to measure the amount of likes that you got on a post, but it can't let you measure the impact that your words have on somebody else. It's a fake. It's counterfeit. It places more emphasis on letting the many see the single act you did for just the one person instead of having you put an emphasis on doing one thing for a lot of people that only that one person sees. That is real. The other is a counterfeit. It's fake. Are y'all seeing it? 
causes us to measure the wrong things. God wants you serving people. He doesn't want you putting it on blast for everybody else. How many people know that you were the only one that know that thing that you did for them? That's an accurate measurement of where you are. Not everybody on my social media feed showed, not saw the one person I did the one thing for, and I love that you did that for them. But if you find yourself going to social media to put that out there for everybody, you're measuring the wrong thing. The enemy's got you thinking you're making friends, and you're not. He has us measuring the wrong things in our relationships. Last week, I told you the story of Samuel. God had chosen to to bring Saul to his kingdom to an end and to anoint David. And Saul goes and looking to Jesse's house for David, who was going to be anointed king. And it's 1 Samuel 16. Here's what we see. He looks at all of his sons. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. How does man look? Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The enemy wants you to measure things by looking at the outward appearance. And God says, I kind of measure things by looking at the inward appearance, what's going on. The enemy knows we have a tendency to measure the wrong things, and he can slip us counterfeits. And if you remember one thing from the message today, let it be this. Real life change does not happen in rows and pews with you saying amen to something that I've said from the stage. Real life change happens in circles and groups in a home and at a coffee shop where you're hearing somebody say me too to something they've said from their personal life and walk experience. That's where real life change happens, and I want that for you. I told you I would tell you a story that Jesus said about some soil, so let's dig in. This is Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. And he told this parable. He said, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dressers, like a gardener, he said, look, for three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he, the gardener, answered him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit, Next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. I told you last week that each of us were made in his image, and that part of his image means that we were made with his capacity for relationships. It means this, you instinctively know when your relationships aren't right. It's like you've got a tree and there's no fruit on it, and you're getting frustrated. You're getting frustrated. Well, they hurt me, Pastor Don. I know, and I'm sorry, and that has to be so painful. Well, Pastor Don, I've been there. I've tried that. It it won't work. You're right. I don't know what kind of experience you've had before, but I know this. If you could have gotten there on your own, you'd have gotten there by now. Your tree may not be bearing any fruit right now, but if you chop it off completely, I guarantee it's never going to bear fruit at all. 
So before you go chop down that tree altogether, before you hear me talk about small groups and being in relationships and doing life with other people and all the great things that's going to come for that, before you buy into that lie and go chop the tree off and say, I'm never doing that again, I'm never going in that direction, I want you to do this. I want you to give me a year. Give me a year. But this time, let's do a little bit of work. Let's do a little bit of digging. Let's add some things right now that aren't going to look and smell too appetizing. They're going to they're look like inconvenience. They're going to smell messy. But look at me, church. It's not manure. It's fertilizer. It's not manure. It's fertilizer. It's nourishing the dead parts of you. When you go to dig around a tree, there are roots in barren areas of soil. And you got to dig around a little bit. You may have to cut off some relationships that are dead and barren in your life in order to expose the roots and get the nourishment of healthy relationships that you need right with them. Maybe you're not bearing fruit because you haven't nourished and fertilized in the right way. Give me a year. Give me a year. Let's disturb the soil of some old barren mindsets. Let's get our hands a little messy. And let's inconvenience your schedule so that we can save the fruit of your relationships in your life. In just a minute, I'm going to dismiss us, but I don't want you to leave. I want you to join. I want you to join. It's not some gimmick. It's not some way to manipulate or get you. We've got 30-something folks that have signed up and said, hey, this happened for me. God used a small group. I want to do this for other people. They're giving of their time. They're giving of their talent, their treasures, their resources to allow you to come and join and experience what they've experienced. Some of you need to be in a freedom group. You hear us talk about freedom all the time. It's a 13-week small group investment. There's a curriculum you walk through, and you get to walk through hurts, habits, and hangups that you probably don't even realize that you have. Majority of the people that you see lifting their hands in worship, so free in their worship, have learned how to worship and serve God the right ways instead of the wrong ways, doing it out of desire and not out of duty. You need to be in a freedom group. You need to let us help you. That semester culminates with a conference where we come together with all the campuses, and it is so powerful. I can't even explain it to you. I'm seeing heads nods. You know you need to be in a freedom group. We've got room for you. In just a minute, when I dismiss us, I want you to stand up and go to the multi-purpose room. It's right out the foyer, directly this way. And I want you to go get in a freedom group. Some of you need to be in a discipleship group. What's that, Pastor Don? You need to grow in your foundations of Christianity. You need to learn how to read your Bible. You need to learn how to pray, how to be in relationship with others, how to open your Bible and use it so that it can change your life. Our discipleship groups do that very thing. You need to be in one of those groups. We use a gold book. You may have heard us talk about that as well. It's a 13-week opportunity to sit together and open God's word. I promise you this, after going through that, you will know your Bible, you will know how to pray, and you will know the basics to be a successful Christian. Some of you need to do that. Others in here, you say, well, Pastor Don, I've been through freedom. I've been to a discipleship group. Is that it? No. You're just beginning. All across this church 
our men's groups and women's groups, married couples groups, singles groups. We call them topical groups because the topics of which they connect and relate are broad and many. Some are going through books of the Bible. Some are going through different topics and books that they've read. But they are going in relationship and growing with each other. And you need to be in one of those groups. Give me a year. Promise it's not even going to take that long. Inconvenience your schedule. Let's dig around before we decide to cut off the tree. Amen? For those visiting, maybe you're new to our church, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, I got to tell you, this is not fake. What you see is the real thing. It's the real thing. But like that Rolex that I inherited, I had never seen the real thing. And I'd love for you to see firsthand what a genuine relationship with God looks like. I want that more than any. I prayed for you today, that God would bring you here, and that as a result of being here with us and around us, worshiping God and praising his name and speaking his truth and reading his word, that you'd fall madlessly in love with him. I want you to be able to see what a genuine relationship with God looks like. There's just one problem. You can't. You can't. Your sin has separated you from a righteous and a loving God, a holy God. And your sin, like mine, must be paid for. And the price is death and separation from God. I've got some good news for you today. God so much desired to have a relationship with you that he sent his son Jesus just for you. To live that life that you couldn't live. To pay that price that you couldn't pay. John 10, 10, we read it earlier. Here it is in the message translation. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus came, so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of, real and eternal, not fake and not temporary. God sent his son Jesus to pay the price for your sin. He died so that you didn't have to, and God raised him from the dead to show you that in Jesus, even the dead areas of your life can come alive with purpose and freedom that you've never experienced before. And that jeweler that day showed me a real Rolex, and that's all it took. That's all I needed for me to see what a fake looked like. And I will never forget that day in April of 1999 when the Holy Spirit showed me who God was for real. And for 25 years, I have never fallen for a counterfeit because I know the real thing. We invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. Bow your head and close your eyes. I just want you listening. If you're here today, You say, Pastor Don, I don't know that I know that I have a real relationship with God. I may be settling for a counterfeit and not even realize it. I show up to church. Maybe I come every week, but I've never surrendered. I'm still like that toddler, and I'm trying to do it all by myself. I'm trying to do it alone. I'm trying to do it without the help of anybody else. Pastor Don, I don't know if I died today, if the next face I see would be the face of Jesus. Listen to me. You can You can. Pastor John, how do I have a relationship with Jesus? I would tell you it's as simple as A, B, C. A stands for admit. You have to admit your sin. 
It's your sin that has separated you from a righteous and a loving God. And because of your sin, you cannot spend eternity in heaven. B stands for believe. Then you have to believe that God sent his son Jesus because he desired a relationship with you. Knowing your sin, knowing how far you were, knowing all the things that you did and would ever do, God sent his son Jesus to die on that cross for your sin. You say, Pastor Don, I can admit and I believe. And C stands for confess. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Savior's the easy part when life's a mess, when things are going crazy and you, you need help. It's that Lord part that makes the difference. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit has awoken something in you spiritually, and you say, Pastor Don, maybe for the first time I can admit my sin. I believe that God sent his son Jesus for me to be able to have a relationship with God. And I'm ready to confess him as Lord and Savior. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or even come out front, but I do want to know this. I want to know who I'm praying with today. And if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I've never done that before, Pastor Don, but I know I need to respond today to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to ask you to do two things right now. I want you to lift your hand, and I want you to look up at me all across this room right now. If you want me to pray with you to be born again, I want you to lift your hand and look up at me. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Keep them up so I can see I'm looking. Thank you, I see your hand. All across the balcony, I'm looking. Thank you, I see your hand. I see your hand, both of you. It's good. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, too. I see your hand. I see your hand. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. I see you. raise your hand and I looked at you. You can put it down. If you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to give you one more opportunity before I pray. Pastor Don, I didn't raise my hand before, but I want to be born again. Would you include me? Yes, sir, I see your hand. I'm glad I asked. I see your hand. I see you. I see you. not in a hurry. We don't have to go anywhere. This is a special moment. I see you. You know, instinctively, you know if your relationship's not right. Those of you that raise your hand to be born again, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. God's Holy Spirit has saved you. He's revealed your need for him in your life. But we're all going to pray this prayer together, indicative of the fact that nobody goes through Christianity alone. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with, my, with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's celebrate with those who are born again today.